spring in a regionalization, uh, school regionalization uh, in uh, 20 years. So um, I'd like to start with uh, just a brief recap on uh, what's happened really since our last uh, town hall meeting regarding school regionalization. And, um, and then I'll introduce some of our other speakers tonight. And then uh, we're going to speak tonight to the, uh, the studies that have been released, the uh, educational component of the potential regionalization, Henry Hudson, and, uh, and then also the path forward after that. So well, it'll be a busy year and it'll be a busy night tonight. So we're going to have uh, quite a bit on our agenda. And then at the end of it, we're going to have a Q&A. So uh, once we get to that, anyone's free to speak. And if you don't mind, please speak. You can just come up to the podium here and speak. It'll make it easier for everybody because it's difficult to hear in this room. I mean, of course, anyone online can speak also. Um, so I guess to, to recap, so thanks again for coming out. As everyone knows, we've been in the process of considering forming a new uh, pre-K through 12 district with our neighbors, uh, Highlands and Atlantic Highlands. Uh, I think everyone knows the history where we're currently in, in districts with Oceanport for grammar school and of course Shore Regional for high school. So with the uh, uh, what had been uh, in the process of the state legislation, been a years-long process. To, uh, if it went to an effect, to allow towns like ours to uh, choose their partner in education and form new districts where, where, uh, where possible, so that legislation could go into effect. And uh, so now we do have that opportunity to uh, pursue that as an option. So um, uh, recently, what we've seen, uh, the, three, the three towns have passed resolutions at the body level. Um, to send off to the Secretary of State to review a, uh, a potential referendum this, this November. The, uh, the Board of Eds, the three Board of Eds in the Hudson region, they're also uh, producing, they're going to be voting on their own resolutions, most likely, most likely this week. We're assuming they'll, they'll probably pass two. And um, we uh, also have uh, now two completed studies. Uh, initially, the three towns got together, uh, Highlands, Onicons, and Seabright, and we had a state-funded uh, grant. We hired Forzio, three of the representatives of this tonight, or two of our one of their uh, consultants, um, to uh, conduct a study for the three towns to consider this new uh, district. And, um, and then also, the, uh, the Board of Ed, the Board of Ed's over in Highlands, Atlantic Highlands, uh, recently completed their own study. And uh, we'll, our professionals speak to that, to, to, to the two sets of more detail in a short while. Um, and then, as I mentioned, we'll cover the educational component. We will also cover the uh, financial component, including the, uh, the formulas and what needs to be negotiated moving forward. And then we'll conclude uh, with the, the path forward for all three towns to, uh, to uh, hopefully end in uh, referendum votes this general election in each, each of the three towns. So I guess what I can do to start off is introduce um, uh, Terry Wright and uh, Vito Gagliardi, their attorneys with Porzio. We, we hired them, uh, the three towns actually hired this firm to complete the initial step. And uh, Highlands and Seabright still retain them as our uh, special education counsel. And they in turn also have one of their uh, school finance experts, Steve Seeger, and he'll also be speaking tonight. So I guess what I can do is introduce Carrie uh, uh, Vito first to discuss the two studies that have been completed 
the uh, some of the complexities of the, the bit of overlap that we've seen between the two studies. Some that was expected and hoped for. So there are a lot of synergies between the two studies, and then of course some uh, some differences that need to be addressed. So Harry, we don't to start. Sure. Thank you, Mayor. And uh, thank you to the Mayor and Council. It is clear to us that the process in which we've been involved is of historic significance to this community, and we take the responsibility seriously, and we appreciate the chance to serve you. So I wanted to uh, begin, for those who have not been following the issue as closely as some of us, with a, uh, a, a lesson of relevant history to this process, how you got where you are, and then we'll talk about how we, how we can figure out where we might be going. So um, Seabright uh, essentially was the victim of two changes in the law over which it had uh, no say. The first was to um, essentially uh, change by the legislature um, about 30 years ago, which trapped you in a structure of a, a limited purpose regional high school where you were required by state law to fund it by equalized property value. Now what that did to Seabright and to communities like it throughout the state is if you were in a regional district like that and you had relatively greater property wealth compared to the other towns in the region and a relatively smaller student population, you were going to see your per pupil costs skyrocket. So that, for example, if a few years ago you were paying per pupil, uh, like you would if you had a sending receiving relationship or if you were operating your own high school, uh, you might say in a high school setting you would pay fifteen dollars to $18,000 per pupil. If you took your tax levy at that same time and divided it by the number of pupils you sent to Shore Regional, you would see that the number you were paying is the equivalent of about $170,000 to $180,000. And Seabright is one of the most extreme, exam extreme examples in the state. It's not alone. Most of these examples exist along the Jersey Shore. So um, when we were retained to examine the problem, and I would say that our firm has been involved in more school district re reconfiguration studies than any firm in the state, um, we were uh, asked to identify the problem and the prospects of either voting to change the formula or voting to get out of Shore Regional. This town approached uh, Shore Regional through its representative on the Shore Regional Board to see if the Shore Regional would consider putting out for public question a modification to the funding formula that was 100% equalized value to try to reduce the burden on Seabright. Shore Regional refused to put it out for a vote. Your representative made a motion, no one seconded it. Uh, when we litigated that decision as arbitrary, capricious, and unreasonable, Shore Regional went to court to fight it and said that it was a non-vote and therefore uh, not subject to the commissioner's review for reasons that were lost on me then and are lost on me now. The commissioner agreed with that. Um, how school boards can take an action beyond the review of the commissioner um, is a subject for a different day, but it was certainly odd. Nonetheless, um, through that process and through the leadership of some of the folks sitting up here with me as well as those who sat here before, began a dialogue with Shore Regional in lieu of continuing further litigation to try to get on the ballot a modified funding formula for consideration by the voters of all the towns. Now, in order for the funding formula to change, Shore Regional had to vote to put it on the ballot, and then it would have to pass in all four of the towns. 
We engaged in negotiations with a committee established by Shore Regional for about a year. And at the end of that process, when we were uh, looking at a number of compromise funding formulas, the committee announced to us that it was not empowered by the boards of education to take any action, and therefore our discussion should be considered moot. So the effort to change the funding formula died with that decision by the Shore Regional representatives. In the meantime, in an effort to encourage regionalization of school districts, there was a new bill pending before the legislature. Now you have to understand that Trenton has tinkered with that statute before with uh, little to no success. What do I mean by that? Well, the last time they tinkered with that formula in the early 90s, that is the process by which you could create and fund regional school districts, they announced that they had come up with an equitable way to encourage regional school districts to be formed. In the 30 years since that was done, three regional school districts have been formed in New Jersey, and three have been dissolved, meaning the net effect of Trenton's last effort is zero regional school districts in the state of New Jersey. So this time, it was different, having learned from prior efforts, because not only did it make the process of creating regional school districts easier, it created substantial financial incentives paying for the studies, paying for a, a special election if there is one, increased school aid for districts that regionalize or expand, and other remarkable incentives that Trenton had never considered before. And that leads to the opportunity that presents itself here. Once it was clear that uh, this community had reached a dead end with Shore Regional, and that this legislative initiative finally was moving through Trenton, uh, a dialogue began with Highlands and Atlantic Highlands, which, because of declining enrollment, was looking at a way to continue to reduce costs. And they share services to a remarkable extent among those three school districts, so there isn't much left for them to do beyond a regionalization. And even that, as our study showed, and as the study done by the Board of Education shows, in an effort to uh, really save money, given how many costs they already share, they would not really see significant savings without bringing in an additional district. So this was one of those opportunities where it was worth looking at for Seabright and worth looking at for Highlands and Atlantic Highlands. When um, Highlands and Atlantic Highlands decided it was worth looking at, as the mayor mentioned, our previous work for Seabright uh, led us to an opportunity where Highlands and Atlantic Highlands also retained us to do the study. Uh, now, Kerry and I are attorneys, we are not the experts. So we had a financial expert, Steve Sia, who is here tonight, former Commissioner of Education, uh, Dave Hespy, and Dr. Richard Grip, a demographer that uh, we consider to be the best school demographer in the country, do the study that was done for the three municipalities about three years ago, and then updated last year. That study identified the educational, financial, and demographic implications of a regional district, recommended that the uh, three towns proceed, gave an opportunity for the school boards to participate in that study, but under their then leadership, they were not interested in participating, but they did cooperate. They met with our experts and provided the information that was requested, and that led to the study that you've already seen. Uh, when uh, the new leadership in these three school districts decided that they were interested, they wanted to do their own study and to essentially test the conclusions reached by our experts. As you know, if you've looked at those studies, there is no 
difference between any of the conclusions they reached and ours. They mention and rely on our study in some respects, and to their credit, there are a few places where they actually complement the work of our experts. Um, Highlands and Seabright have already passed resolutions designed to petition the Commissioner of Education for authorization to submit this issue to the public. That is to say, despite the remarkable work done by your municipal leadership, they haven't decided anything other than they think that there is something worthy of consideration for the voters in Seabright and ultimately the voters in Highlands and Atlantic Highlands. Last week, Atlantic Highlands joined the other two municipalities and passed a resolution endorsing the idea of sending the creation of a K-12 school district for these three towns to the voters. As the mayor mentioned, we expect the three boards of education to do the same thing this week. Once their study was completed, I would say that the uh, relationship between the boards and the municipalities has been as healthy as we could expect. We have had several cooperative conversations with their attorney. There have been cooperative discussions between the leaders of the municipal governments and the school boards. And ultimately, it's my expectation that we will jointly petition the Commissioner of Education for authorization to submit a question to the public about the creation of a K-12 school district. So that's where we were, and that's how we got here. Um, obviously, we don't have all the experts here tonight, but we will do that again when we're invited back um, in a few weeks or a few months. But ultimately, as we've said all along, and as I say again, the decision about what happens is left in the hands of the voters. You have two sets of highly qualified experts examining the issues and presenting lengthy, detailed studies. The experts for the school boards, I believe, will be available at public meetings for questions. We know our experts will be available when we have one here tonight. So again, the only thing that's being decided by the governing bodies of the schools and the municipalities is that you folks should decide how your children are educated and how your tax dollars are spent. So with that, let me yield to Ms. Wright to see if there's anything uh, that she wishes to add. And then we'll have Steve C. explain how the funding mechanism works. The open question, the open question, all caps, the, is what will the funding mechanism be? That is to say, what combination of equalized property value and per pupil funding will be the question submitted to the public? That is a question that the mayors and school board leadership have begun to discuss. Um, the one thing I can say with absolute certainty is that that formula is going to be one that identifies substantial savings for all three towns, or we will have wasted this opportunity. There has to be a benefit to all three of the towns, or the voters who support it. But that will be uh, subject of a different day. So while Mr. C will describe to you how the funding mechanism works, how we've studied it, we're not going to discuss with you exactly what is going to be submitted to the public yet, because that hasn't been decided yet. Now that the school boards um, are joining the fray, there are six uh, governing entities that will be discussing the issue and reaching a consensus on what to submit to the public. So okay, with that, I'll yield to Ms. Wright ultimately to Mr. C. Thanks, Tom. The only thing I think I would add is because um, Dave Hesby is not able to be here, there have been a couple of questions that have come up on the um, educational analysis. Um, I know that's very important to your community, to all three communities. So I just wanted to point out a few things. One, first of all, just to reiterate what Vito said, that there will be town hall meetings scheduled. We want to get the petition filed and start that. But there will be meetings 
where um, Dave Husky will be here, the experts that wrote the other study will be available to be able to answer all other specific questions. I'm not an educational expert. I've served the last 15 years on my Board of Education, but that alone does not qualify me to answer all of your questions comparing the different school districts. But there are a few items that I know have been of a concern, um, and some members of the public have brought them to the attention of your municipal officials, and they've asked us to just address some of them, one of which um, is the relative rankings. So there are a number of organizations out there that will rank schools and school districts out there. And we want to just encourage the public to be careful about uh, really putting too much emphasis on those rankings. They all look at different factors, and they really can't one be compared to another. Um, there are a few out there that I know we've seen that say that um, short regional ranks above Henry Hudson. There's also some out there, um, schooldigger.com is one of them, that says that according to the rubric that they use, Henry Hudson um, is ranked higher, um, 86 um, versus 126 out of 405 school districts that are looked at for high school. So um, it is easy to look at those rankings and make it very enticing for you to be able to look at them and just say, well, this school district is ranked 10th and this one is 150th, so it must be that this one is better than this one. And that's not the case. Um, you need to look at a whole plethora of information. Uh, Dave Husky will be able to look at all of that when you answer the specific questions about that. Um, another question that came up is the fact that Short Regional has the IB program, the International Baccalaureate program. The fact that Henry Vincent does not offer that program, um, in the opinion of the expert, again, not me, he was the Commissioner of Education twice, uh, he does not see that as an issue that you should be concerned with. Um, at all. The International Baccalaureate Program um, is an expensive program to run, and many of the best high schools in the state of New Jersey do not offer the IB program. One of the things, though, that has come up are the number of AP courses, um, and that is consistent across the state, and many, I think almost every single high school offers a plethora of AP, uh, uh, AP courses. Henry Hudson does offer fewer AP classes than Short Regional does. Um, mostly because of the size of the school. So there definitely are, um, in some respects, um, fewer options at Henry Hudson than at Short Regional because of the size of those two schools. But the belief from the experts who looked at this, from both the boards of education as well as State Caspi, uh, is that with the additional students as well as the additional funding, then Henry Hudson will be able to increase the number of sporting activities, clubs, AP courses, and other offerings. And that is the um, the only other thing that I was going to just very quickly mention, um, because I think it could be alarming to some folks, um, is the substance abuse statistics that have been um, going around. And the Department of Education actually has the opposite numbers that seem to be floating around the community with regard to substance abuse. And that the numbers of reported substance abuse incidents um, at Shore Regional are actually higher than at Henry Hudson. So, um, I pointed out those three things only because of the misperception of members of the community. I want to make sure that if you have questions and you have this information, that at least you're getting the accurate information. I may not be able to answer all of your education questions this evening, but if you have them, we'll write them down and we'll make sure that Dave Husky is aware of them. So when we come back 
for that presentation when he is here, he is prepared for those questions. Um, and I think, um, unless you're gonna be upset if I do this, I would say there are other questions that as a community you have um, about the education piece, feel free to send them to your representatives so that they can send them to us and we can be prepared to answer them through the past when he comes back and meets with you all at the top all over the schedule. Is that there? Great. Okay. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna turn it over to Steve Sia now to, to go over some of the financial pieces. Thanks. So um, I completed the financial section of the Peruvian study. And um, that was completed in December of 2021. So at the time, there was pending legislation, which Vito had um, mentioned, with regard to mutualization, uh, and in particular, there's some financial components to that. So the study commented on it as a possibility, but then in January, when it was passed, uh, now it's a reality. And there are some aspects of that that I wanted to review. Um, the, the most, uh, I think, pertinent is uh, related to the transitional support that the new legislation has for. So the transitional payments are to the communities from whom you're withdrawing. So specifically, it's uh, Ocean Port and Shore Regional. And the, the focal point of the transitional support revolves around the tax levy from the year just prior to entering into the regionalization. So to take a snapshot of what the tax levy was, what you were paying to uh, Shore Regional and Ocean Port when you're ready to withdraw. And it sets that figure to calculate the transitional support. So there are three components to that calculation. The first is you take the, the full amount of what was paid in the prior year and you subtract the payments that will go to the new regional. So to the Henry Hudson um, Highlands, the Bedford Highlands, uh, and, uh, and uh, Seabright's uh, new regional that they develop in. Whatever the allocation that's agreed upon, that amount is subtracted from the prior year's payments. The second piece is the tuition that would be paid to uh, both Oceanport and Shore Regional for the students that are there um, you know, upon that last uh, that last year when we did the test So whatever that portion is, that's also subtracted from the uh, tax levy from the prior year. So what you're left with is a transitional support amount that's phased out over five years. So in the sixth year, essentially all obligations to Ocean Port and True Regional financially are uh, eliminated and your, the, the focus at that point is exclusively on the new regional. So I think the takeaway from, the, from that formula is that the amount that you're paying moving forward once the new regional is established is no more than the amount that you're paying in total tax levy payments to both Ocean Port and Shore Region. Uh, and the, the formula calculates that. 
and in the first year, it's 100%. So in other words, um, you're, you're paying that full tax study for the prior year in the first year of the new region. And then from there on, you're taking 20% each year, the remaining five to five years, and that's how you're going to um, get to the sixth year in which all your financial obligations are satisfied. Um, and it's, uh, it's new legislation. Uh, it's, if you read the statute, it's um, fairly convoluted. But we've spent a good amount of time sort of drill, drilling down into the specifics. And um, uh, a number of people looking at it to come to uh, an idea that this is how the mechanism will work and how uh, it, it, it will be uh, proposed to Even though we have a lot of information to share at this point, 
we're still learning as we go along too. We're gathering more information. A lot of the stuff is pretty rapid fire, so we spent a lot of time. We've gotten very far the last few, uh, few years, but um, as we get additional, as we make progress with the DOEs and the other towns, we'll continue to share all that information as this process continues to evolve. And, uh, and again, our primary goal, even though we talk about cost savings, we are all very aware that, of the educational concerns, transportation concerns, everything else that all the parents have in Seabrook. So we all keep that in mind that that's a serious consideration by everybody, the governing body and our professionals. And the other mayors and the governing bodies are aware of that also. So we're all the same mind on that too. So it's really a, a multi-pronged approach where we're trying to accomplish quite a bit. It's not just cost savings, although it's great that we can all save money and hopefully have more for programs and so forth, but clearly it's education also. We see the benefits of forming a district potentially uh, improving as we go to it. So um, I know Vito also going to have some more comments today. Yeah, just to be a little more uh, granular about the um, timeline going forward. Um, and I, speaking of timeline, by the way, I, I, I let Trent off the hook on, on one other issue, right? So in addition to um, trapping you into the shore and trapping you into that disadvantageous funding formula, uh, with about a week's notice, um, half of the two dozen school districts identified by the state as non-operating, meaning that they weren't running a, a school, but were having their children educated elsewhere. With about a week's notice, uh, a decade ago, half of those two dozen non-operating districts were wiped out by the state. The bill did not even go through a legislative committee. One more cynical, one would suggest that it was a move by the governor and then legislative majority to say we're doing something about school funding um, and we're doing something about the cost of education in New Jersey by wiping out a dozen school districts. I should point out, by the way, that a non-operating school district is by definition the most efficient school district you can possibly imagine. It spends money on nothing else other than education. It, it typically pays someone, I don't know if it was your predecessor, someone a few thousand dollars to serve as the school board attorney, basically the school board administrator, handing out the checks. Um, and the Board of Education meets once a month. It's unpaid. There, it has no employees other than the person who pays the stipend to send out the checks. And those were the school districts that simply educate kids that were wiped out. So you were forced into Oceanport also without both. And uh, what, what do you pay in there on a per pupil basis now? It's about $77,000 a kid? Yeah, you didn't have to say in that either. So um, this, this uh, moment is a long time coming when you consider what went on with Trent. Uh, I, and I also should point out, because I don't think anybody covered it, despite of the cost associated with educating the, the children at all levels in Seabright, the analysis done by the financial experts and by the education experts for both the municipalities and the boards of education are operating under the assumption that the um, children from Seabright will continue their education in the schools where they're currently located. So no one is going to be removed from an existing school. So if you have someone who is, after the vote, starting as a freshman uh, at Shore Regional, they're not going to be forced over to Henry Hudson because of the obvious disruption there. So that's all part of the calculation. There's been no debate to the contrary about that. But let me talk about the more immediate timeline. So um, if the school boards uh, adopt the resolutions to move forward that we anticipate they will this week, it's entirely possible that before the end of the month, the um, 
municipalities and school boards will be jointly petitioning the Commissioner of Education for authorization to submit this question to the public. Um, and the timeline is based upon an effort to get this before the public as part of the November election, which would mean we would need the Commissioner's approval by the second week of August because that's when they would be printing absentee ballots. Um, if for some reason, because Trent operates very efficiently, but if for some reason it were to delay that, it's not as if you have to throw up your hands and wait until the following November. A question like this can be put before the public on any one of four special election dates established by uh, the statute. So that would be the fourth Tuesday in January, the second Tuesday in March, the fourth Tuesday in September, uh, and the second Tuesday in December. Um, so, uh, as you can hear, if it's not November, it could be December, it wasn't December, it could be January, it's not January, it could be March. But the idea, of course, is to get it out uh, at a time when many people would otherwise be going to poll, so that's the November election. So that's the timeline under which we're operating. We've not been told that there's any reason we couldn't make that timeline, but it is dependent on a um, rapid response from the Department of Education, so I wanted to petition in, give uh, the officials of the Department of Education uh, six to eight weeks to react. It's obviously uh, very advantageous that there are no contradictions between the two studies that will be submitted in support of that petition, but again, uh, that's not a timeline control, that's just the, the current plan. So, with everything the government body is doing, the scheduling of the um, public meetings, town halls, the response to questions that Carrie mentioned, all of that is based on the assumption that this will be submitted to you for consideration in November. But the window we don't control is under the Department of Education, so I just wanted to clarify that. Um, with that, um, I'll yield back to you, Mayor. The Mayor and Council have any questions or um, would like to open this up? Yeah, I guess I'll Council, we're ready with Q&A in a minute. So anybody in Council have any comments before we go in? And if not, we'll go right to Q&A. So Mayor, thank you. A couple things. So there's going to be another session where we're going to have the education expert here to answer the questions on behalf of parents. October 3rd. October 3rd. So if anybody wants to really dig in, that would be the time to do it. And I think the other point that was made is if there are questions or concerns in advance of that, get them into us so that we can get them worked upon and have succinct answers because you're going to want them added before that meeting for sure. The other thing I would say is that as I serve on the uh, panel with Brian and others for the regionalization, this is a very complex issue and it's also a very emotional issue because it affects most importantly our parents and, and the students and then all of the taxpayers and everything in town. As, as Brian and others have said, we are keenly focused on making sure that we are not moving from one bad deal to another, either in cost or education quality. That's got to be an important element of this. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a little bit of research on the sort of the online apps that compare schools. And as Ms. Wright said, they're all over the place. Right? You can find whichever one you want and you can point to it. But one thing I would say I have seen is I have seen a significant uptrend over the last two years in the Henry Hudson academic performance. I didn't know that until I started working. Now, whether it's rated a little bit higher or a little bit lower, what you see is a very positive trend in direction. And I think that's something that the parents also have to consider because if you don't have new news, you rely on old news. And I think it would be incumbent on all of us to do the research to make sure we have facts rather than rumors as we think about this. 
And most importantly is to make sure you communicate, make sure you come to the meetings and you ask the questions. Because without that, this train is going to move. And I know everybody on this council, it's important to hear your voice. We've received letters, we get feedback, and that all helps to make decisions. So please be involved in the process. Thanks, Mayor. All right, so as I noted before, uh, you have your governing body here and our professionals. If anybody wants to uh, ask any questions, just please come up to the podium or, or online. Please, uh, please ask away. Anybody like to speak tonight? Anybody online like to speak? Anyone have any questions for us?
And what if you have a sibling in the high school and you have one that may be slotted to go to Henry Hudson when they go to two different schools? So um, the mayor and I didn't bet any money on the fact that that question was going to come up. Fair. not been ethical. But if we had bet it, I would have won something. Because right? <laughs> I mentioned we've, we've done this before, right? So it's a very common question. And that will have to leave it so that the statute doesn't provide for that. But obviously, the number of students we're talking about from Seabright is fairly small, right? Correct. So that will have to be something that the municipal government and the school officials work out um, because that is a critical question where you're talking about siblings who might find themselves in, yeah. in different schools. Okay. So uh, the only thing I can say for, for sure, right, is I, I don't know how many children you have, and I'm not asking. Okay. <laughs> but if you had, you know, one in high school and one in first grade, and you said, hey, can you assure us that that first grader is going to get to the same high school as the, the ninth grader, that is that, that wouldn't happen. But there is a financial entanglement between the um, Shore Regional Oceanport School Districts and this community for a five-year period beyond the date of the dissolution. So there are opportunities to discuss that. So like the statute doesn't answer. would be more likely that they could, at least the eighth grader. Well, the ninth grader, the ninth grader, that's all about. That's easy. Fantastic. Because that, that's, that's the eighth grader who's I'm rolling the dice on. Is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if the eighth grader is going to sit here that we're rolling the dice on the eighth grader. But, um, that's, the, that's, the, that's a critical issue. There's no answer to that. The mayor and council are aware of it, and I'm expecting there to be discussions about circumstances just like the one proposed, because I said there would be even before I mentioned it. <laughs> Thank you. Hi there, my name's Tony Calderella. I live over in Malta. You might have a couple of questions here. Um, so this study shows, um, well, I guess, my first question is, there's two studies. The Keene study, which showed, um, I guess, the, the line charts of um, average annual apportionment of the tax levy, and they recommended a 72-28%, whereas um, yours was 95-5. So what number would we, would we be going off of? I know that you guys have to still talk it out and figure it right. out. So um, I think it's illuminating for me to point out that the one that um, projected 7228 mm -hmm. is the most disadvantageous to Seabright and did not have anyone from Seabright authorizing that study, right? That study was authorized by Highlands and Atlantic Highlands and their representatives on Henry Hudson. So Seabright had no say in that. I am confident that the um, funding mechanism on which you vote will be neither 95.5 nor 72.28. Um, from our standpoint, and, and Steve's here to talk about it as a financial expert, from our standpoint, our goal was not to save money for community X versus community Y. Our goal was to come up with a formula that identified substantial savings for all three towns. Mm -hmm. If one of those three towns disagree that that's substantial and they want that tweet so it's not 95.5 or 90.10 or 80.20, whatever, that's not for us to say. But in, in a Machiavellian sense, right, Seabright is looking at putting something out to the voters that the voters of the three communities find attractive. Our recommendation that that should be attractive, but may not be something that the governing bodies in Highlands or Atlantic Highlands share, they've got to figure that out. Okay. 
Um, so with the savings, I'm sure I know the answer to this question, I just want to hear. Um, we have existing referendum payments left. That doesn't factor into this, but we voted to pay a lot of, or not maybe a portion of the $33 million referendum to fix up the Ocean Port schools. Do we still owe that money even though we want to leave the schools? When that, that? when that transition period that Steve described to you is over, so will your financial obligations to Ocean Port be. So we can walk away from not having to pay for the referendum. Yeah, Ocean Port, Ocean Port Board of Education owns that building. Right. You have no ownership interest in it. The statute provides that when you end that relationship, so does your financial obligation. Is there anything preventing um, the school district or the towns that sent to the school district from suing Seabright? Well, as you know, one of the great things about this country is anybody can sue anybody over anything. I do not expect such a lawsuit to be successful under any circumstances. Even if it's not successful, it'll be expensive. Right. I don't. I don't know that I, I share that. And I, the reason I say that is because there's no basis for such a suit. Now, we participated. What we got? I mean, Ms. Wright not in the only three dissolutions of regional school districts in the history of the state. And on every occasion, there was a dispute like the one you described, where you're dividing the school district up. The high school is located in this town. I helped pay for that high school. That town gets the high school. I don't get anything out of that. That's not fair. Those lawsuits have been uniformly <clears throat> unsuccessful. We prevailed in all of them. So that's why it's, it's not simply you know, uh, cockiness or bravado. My expectation that they won't be successful is based upon the fact that similar efforts have been made in other circumstances, and they've all been unsuccessful. The idea being the legislature said, here's what happened. Just like the legislature stuck it to you folks on two significant occasions, they may get you off the hook as far as your debt to Ocean Board is concerned, but that's the way the statute is structured. Would it be something simple where it's just a yes or no, or it could be a prolonged, year-long, years-long lawsuit? I, I think a prolonged, years-long lawsuit is unlikely. And again, I base that on prior experience with similar such claims. Okay. Um, you had mentioned that if you have a child in the school, they're not going to be bumped over to a different school. So I personally have a fourth grader who will next year be in fifth grade. And it's my understanding he'll be allowed to finish to eighth grade. Will he have to leave all his friends and go to uh, a different high school where he knows no one? So based upon the way that the statute is structured, the answer to that question is yes. Whether that's one of the issues that the town is going to talk to the school officials about, I don't know. But if, if nothing is negotiated, the answer is yes, after eighth grade. If this thing were to pass in November, after eighth grade, that student will go to Henry Okay. Um, so right now we're stuck in an agreement with Ocean Port. We're forced into it where there's no end and there's no um, recalculations. With this new agreement, have a recalculation period every year, every two years, when you recalculate. If you were part of Henry Hudson, you mean? If we all join Henry Hudson. Yeah. So the um, the way that the um, statute is structured is you can agree on a methodology to fund the district for 10 years. And if nothing else is submitted to the voters for approval, that would continue in perpetuity. 
So you're not negotiating something every year. Um, you're negotiating something that you know is going to last at least 10 years. So in 10 years, we could take a look at it and let's say there's a lot more kids here or there's a lot less kids here and we could renegotiate that. That's correct. Um, one more question. Um, so there are expected to be savings by joining this tri-regional. Um, do those savings include the money that we spoke about, we guys spoke about reinvesting and getting that school up to so the, the short answer to your question is, well, I'm gonna, I'll use an example. So let's say they decide as a result of having access to um, a broader tax base, they want to put in new science labs. This is, an, this is entirely hypothetical. That would be up to the new Board of Education. You would have one representative on the Board of Education. The, the sad news for Seabright is good news in response to your question. You are paying such an exorbitant amount to Oceanport and Shore Regional that even if the school district, Henry Hudson, News Henry Hudson, decided to invest some of the money in um, uh, science labs, yeah. you would still be saving a substantial amount of money. There's no way, no matter what is negotiated, that um, you're going to see less than a million dollars in savings after that transition period because what you're paying now is so extraordinarily high. But no, nobody can promise you that sometime during that 10 years, the school board's not going to say, well, we have access to revenue we never had before. We want to do something to improve our science labs or, or something of that nature. But none of us who have had anything to do with this envision a circumstance where the new Henry Hudson could spend so much money that you're not really going to see any savings. Because right. what you're paying right now is so high, right. you're still going to have a savings. Could it be diminished by an expenditure like the science labs we're talking about? Of course. But not too much. Pardon me, sir? But not a lot. No, because this, you, you'd still see substantial savings. It might be reduced by 10 or 15 percent if they choose to invest. So. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Hello. I'm Christy Calderella. I live on Longview Way from Easy Right. Um, so I want to follow up to a few of those questions. Um, you. Um, so you answered that there is an agreed upon ratio for all three communities, um, but those, the ratio that is decided will be shared with us at what point in time? Um, it'll be shared with you as soon as the agreement is reached, but the expectation is that that would be by mid-July, right? We, even if we petition the commissioner before the end of June, which is what I expect, you, you want to have that proposed formula to the commissioner. And, and actually, to, to be clear about how much discussions take place, there's probably two formulas, right? There's one in the event um, Seabright does not participate, either because the commissioner doesn't permit it or the Seabright voters don't permit it. So Highlands and Atlantic Highlands have to figure out what the ratio would be without Seabright and with Seabright. And that's really a recognition of what the statute um, sets up, which is trying not to let one community exercise uh, veto power, that's not designed to be a pun, by the way, over uh, the other communities. So Highlands and Atlantic Highlands need to know if the commissioner or the voters of Seabright don't let this go through, what would the funding mechanism look like? And if the Seabright commissioner and Seabright voters do approve it, 
what would the funding mechanism look like? So my expectation is that the uh, issue presented to the commissioner and ultimately submitted to the public for a vote would have two ratios, one with Seabright and one without. Uh, and in the uh, Keene study, um, they have recommended the 72-28, and that was the most equitable savings across all three communities. And um, your study had recommended um, the 95-5, which is also stated in the um, Seabright's executive summary, whoever wrote that. Um, and I think that that's a bit misleading to our community, that they are seeing that um, there would be an average annual tax savings of um, 2.25, a little over $2 million, um, when, you know, at this lower tax rate, at this lower ratio, um, the savings is about half of that. Um, so, you know, that, that conflicting information, and um, I can, you know, I'm pretty sure that not everybody took the time to read all 109 pages of the King study, as well as the, you know, however many pages yours was, but I did. And there is a lot of, you know, there are some, some, some similarities, but there's also a lot of conflicting information um, that I find to be, um, it does, it's not, it's unsettling to the community, and I think the community does need to understand that there is quite a bit of conflicting information, and what are we supposed to believe. Um, so I, um, I mean, I understand research studies and, and how they work, and that's, you know, you come up to your recommendations and analysis, but um, I do urge the community to, to spend the time reading at least the first five pages of the study and the last, um, and the last five pages of the key study. Um, there, so Tony had asked about the re-examination re of apportionment methodology or having it be re-examined over time. Um, on page 54 of the Keene study, it recommended that after the 10-year transitional period, um, that that should be, the methodology should be re-evaluated. Um, so I, that was a question that Tony was asking. Is that something that will be in your agreement, in the agreement, that that will be re-evaluated? Because, you know, we don't, we're coming from a broken system and, and we, you know, we're, we're really going into a, a dying school district. And that's a huge concern as, as a parent and I think as a community that, you know, there were 36 or 37 graduating students from Henry Hudson this year, or 38. Um, that's not very many students. That um, doesn't really even build a huge sense of community. Um, and the numbers that are in, you know, when you look at Henry Hudson numbers versus short regional numbers, it is, um, people do need to realize that those numbers are grade seven to 12 and not grade nine to 12. So we have at, at Shore Regional, there are 600, about 600 students. And at, if you look at Henry Hudson, there's less than 200 in the, in, in the, three, in the three grades. Um, or maybe even across the school, I have that written down somewhere. Um, Tony had also asked that would a portion of the tax savings be put back into the schools to improve programming because obviously it's a huge concern, especially an immediate concern to um, the children. Actually, my son is fortunate because he's in fourth grade, but I think of his third grade friends, and his third grade friends could potentially have to go to a, well, I'm jumping ahead, but they, they would go to fourth grade at Wolf Hill 
and then at fifth grade have to transition to an elementary school. So my question is, what school are they going to? Um, because both schools, um, Atlantic Highlands is over um, 21, they're over capacity by 21. So they don't have any room in their school. And Highlands School District has enough seats for 12 children in their elementary school. So there really isn't space in either school the way that they're situated now. And so in the King study, the King study recommended to move sixth grade into the high school. And I've shared with all of the councilmen, including the mayor, how concerning that should be and is to a parent that a sixth grader would be in a high school, be riding a bus and be in a school with upper, you know, nine grades, nine to 12. Um, so that is a concern of mine and it should definitely be a concern of others. I'm fortunate because my child is in fourth grade, he will be able to stay at Shore Regional until ninth grade, so that's not a concern. But anybody who has a child that is third grade or younger, that is, that is, that should be a huge concern of yours. And if you need research on um, that, I have it and I'll cite it. Um, can you also explain Seabright's obligation to indebtedness? It's on page 30 of your study. But I think that's what Steve explained, but I'm happy to yield to Steve on that. Are you, are you done? No, I'm not done. <laughs> so you want to finish and then we'll respond? Uh, you, you want me to, okay, you want to, you want to come back to that? Sure. Okay, great. Um, so there is, my husband had brought up that there's existing ocean port, ocean port and shore um, referendums, and we've been told that, you know, we're, we owe that referendum, portion of the referendum, um, regardless. So, um, you know, that is a concern. Um, my people at Shore, at Shore Regional and Ocean Port School does that? So I'll let that explain it. That's <laughs> Okay. And is there, you know, um, there also is in your study, it's, it's, it's stated that that you don't anticipate any um, any pushback from Shore Regional or Ocean Port in, in, in the exit strategy or exiting the school district. Is, has there, has that negotiation been underway yet? So, Amazingly, um, despite how public this process has been and their purported interest in keeping Seabright, I'll ask this question. Mayor, have you heard from anyone at Ocean Board or Shore Regional since this process began? Not yet. Okay. So there have been no such discussions. And I don't know that, this, that our study says there'd be no pushback. I think what it says or what it's designed to convey is we don't expect any effort by Shore Regional or Ocean Board to prevent this from happening to be successful. And we do not expect it to be successful, whatever they do. But we've not heard from them as educators, nor are we heard from their teachers. I think it's important to know, because people continue to use the phrase um, negotiations, right? So once, you know, Seabright has negotiated its way out of Ocean Port and Shore Regional, the statute does not provide this is not a negotiation. The statute is very clear that upon Seabright's joining a K-12 regional school district, you will withdraw from Oceanport um, and from Shore Regional 
with the payment of that transitional money. So, but this isn't, it's not a negotiation with uh, Ocean Port or So on page 81 of the Keene study, it said that, um, that exiting Ocean Port and Shore may lead to litigation, which could significantly offs offset any anticipated cost savings to the taxpayer. So it's on page 81 of the Keene study. And then on page 83 of the King study, it says that in the Corsio study that there is implicit assumption that sea rates withdraw can and will occur without difficulty or delay. So that's where I'm getting the information. I'm not just talking to people. It's written in the study that this is that this is an, it is a concern. And actually, in the King study, it the, it the May 1st recommendation was that the Highlands and Atlantic Highlands should proceed with the school proceed with making whatever, an all-purpose, I guess is that what it is, an all-purpose school, well, right? K to, a K to K to 12 school, rather than have three different districts. And then, and then <coughs> bring C right in. That's, that was their first round. That's the main recommendation. And so that's not the recommendation that you have in your study, but it is the recommendation of the King study. Well, respectfully, I don't think that's the recommendation of the King study. I think the recommendation of the King study is that Atlantic Highlands and Islands use this whether the right is a part of it or not. But the idea of submitting the same question to the public twice does not make sense. And I don't think that's what the folks in, in the King study recommended. The idea, by the way, that the litigation would eat up all of the savings associated with leaving shore regional and ocean port. Look, I would love to promise my partners $2 million a year in legal fees from Seabright, um, but I'm not going to do that because that's not going to happen. Um, so is it possible that in the short term that the savings could be diminished if Shore Regional or Ocean Port pursue a legal action that isn't uh, authorized by the statute? That is possible, no question about it. The idea that it would eat up the savings when you consider what you folks have been paying, that is impossible. Um, so it, it, it was um, just to note that on page 83 of the King study, it does say that a safer approach would be to proceed first with either the conversion of Henry Hudson to an all-purpose regional district or creation of a new all-purpose regional district that includes Atlantic Highlands and Highlands, and then allow Seabright to proceed with its attempts to withdraw and join. So that is on page 83 of the study. Um, and I have... I already mentioned the class sizes, um, uh, you know, a, a concern of our, of the parents here. I think I can speak for at least the people that I know that are on Zoom and, and some of the other families here, um, that the class sizes aren't sustainable at Henry Hudson to support the increased level of, of services and classes and extracurricular activities. I mean, you've kind of, Told us not to worry about inter baccalaureate class, but inter baccalaureate title. But you know, if your child is able to take inter baccalaureate courses, they get college credit, and that's actually saves us as taxpayers money when we send our children to college. You do yeah, you can do that through AP courses as well. But the diversity and what is offered there, there's just not class size to support all these additional AP and IB classes. So when you graduate with um, a class size of 150, there's more opportunities. I mean, you have a class size of 35, there's just not enough courses that can be offered to give our children that have, that are gifted and talented or that uh, excel in an area 
those opportunities. So that's a big concern of ours, um, which we can, you know, I'm sure that can, that discussion will be continued. Um, I already talked about that Atlantic Highlands is operating 21 students over capacity in Highlands. Elementary only has 12 seats, and you know where where are our seabright children going to school? So the those schools, the way in which the demographers look at capacity is based on how the school is currently being utilized. So the class sizes that are in the policies, the use of each one of those classrooms. So it's not like a fire code where it says you cannot put more than X number of students in this. So in the discussions that the experts have had, um, your students will fit, would fit in either Atlantic Highlands or in Highlands Elementary School. Next, yeah. Um, and that's page, the, yeah. That's the yeah, page 101 of the key study does state that there is no space um, for the school. And that, there, that the only way they see it feasible is to move sixth grade into the high school. Um, which I have many concerns about that that I don't need to talk about, but if any parent wants to know, you can certainly reach out to me. Um, and is busing included in the cost of the, will that be included, or is that an additional? That is included in the tax levy amount. Okay. Um, and the only other thing that I did notice is that, um, you know, and I think the big issue here is that is what we pay for Shore Regional High School. And, um, you know, because the per pupil costs and what we pay for our children to go to the Oceanport school system is actually less than what the per pupil cost is at Highlands in the Highlands School District by about $6,000. So um, the per pupil cost at, in, at Highlands has averaged trended. Um, on the higher 20s and um, in the next coming years, like around 26,000, and our pupil cost in Oceanport is 20,000. So um, I do recognize that, that we pay, you know, that the situation where we're short regional is not good. Um, you know, I think families would prefer if there was something that could be done for that. Um, but so you had a question about the benefits? And yes. So before we go to that, you, you had mentioned about the per pupil cost. So where are you getting the ocean for? I have uh, right here from, I downloaded the budget summaries from um, the last three years. So that, that's a combined number? Yeah, I thought you might have gotten from there. So I, I think what Vito was talking about earlier was if you took the tax levy that goes to Oceanport and divided it by the number of students that you have, that currently have there, you find that the number was higher. It's $37,000. And, and for just Oceanport, yeah. no, in, in the study that was done by Porzio, it states that the, that the per pupil cost is twenty thousand yeah, dollars. Well, it varies by year, obviously, right? But if you took look at the tax levy for Oceanport divided by the twenty-six students that we send there, it's thirty-seven thousand dollars. And and you're right on the Atlantic Highlands Highlands, they're about nineteen eight. Is about what they're paying on an annual basis now. It is projected to go out over time like everything else, but. It, I mean, an ocean port is obviously much lower than what Plymouth Paint to show region, but it is $37,000 a student. For a Seabright student. Seabright student that goes to ocean. And how much do we pay for, so when, because in the Corzio study, 
it says that we paid in 2000, I mean, I know it goes up, um, but it, it said that we paid 600, roughly $600,000 um, to educate 30 students and that the per pupil cost was $20,000. Yeah, because it all depends on the year, right? So if we, yeah, look at the tax, yeah. if we look at the tax levy for this year coming up, the Oceanport bill for us goes from 800000 to 900000 That's the bill we just got. If you go down two students or one student, you can imagine what that does to the equation. Mm -hmm. So you have taxes going up, mm -hmm. and you have a number of students bumping around. Mm -hmm. So if you pick a snapshot of the year, you can probably find one that's 20-something. Mm -hmm. And you can find another one that's 36. Mm -hmm. It all depends on the year and the number of students. So um, with that being said, that the um, so right now we have 28 students in, in okay. short. In, I mean, I'm sorry, in Oceanport school system. In the 2022 school year. This year. Okay. We have them. That this year there are 28 students. Okay. Um, I confirmed that. Yeah, it's 26 last year. Because I know, I, I know their names. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So there are 28 of them in the school system, um, and it, it, in K through eight, not including preschool, obviously, yeah. um, or even just the special ed preschool, which that's another another concern, um, and. But I also noticed that at Shore Regional that our tax levy has decreased over by about six, six to seven, over the past three years by about 700,000. So when you say we went from six, and then Oceanport's eight, but then how come Shore's decreasing? Yeah, so I, I can't answer those questions. Mm -hmm. My comments are strictly around Oceanport. But you're right, in Shore Regional, if the numbers bounce around, the per year number is going to be different. And when I've done the calculations over the last couple of years, it's ranged from 135,000 to 172,000 mm -hmm. per student that we're paying to send them to church. And it all depends on the tax levy that year and the number of students that we're sending, which can change a lot in a given year. But it has, over the past three years, the tax levy has gone down. It went from 31,000 to this year it's 27,000, and next year it's in the budget for 2.5 million. What were you referring to at 27,000? I'm sorry, uh, two point, I'm sorry, 3.1 was last year. This year's 2.7, yeah, right? I, I, and next year's projected yeah, I, I, I would not try to sit here and say yeah. I have all the numbers in front of yeah. me. But the fact that we're paying eight times the cost yeah, of the I, I mean, I, I know. It's, it, compared to yeah. the state average of 20,000, says something's got to be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and if I could say but, one thing there. Sure. So, Chris, you said something before, and, then, and I, I read both studies, mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a long read. Mm -hmm. But you used the word misleading about the information on it. And I would say it can be misleading if you understand the fact, if you don't understand the fact that the studies came at this from very different positions. The BOE study came out from the perspective, as Vito said, from Atlantic Highlands Highlands. Mm -hmm. And it looked at how to maximize savings for those towns by bringing in somebody else. Mm -hmm. The Porzio study looked at how do I get quality education at a fair and equitable cost to the taxpayer. Mm -hmm. And that's why the numbers are so different. They're not misleading. The assumption that went into building those numbers are different. And I won't, I won't quote exact numbers because I always get in trouble when I do. But the Shore Regional is eight times the average cost in the state. The 7228 is about four and a half times. And what the Porzio recommendation was to, was to only pay twice as much as they're paying. Now, a resident in this town would say, why would I pay twice as much? Well, part of it is we don't have all school and school system. So you have to pay into something else to have the right to send it. But it, it wasn't misleading the intent that they had different numbers because they had different assumptions. Mm -hmm. And I would think both as a parent and as a taxpayer, what you would want is the highest quality education at the fairest equitable cost. 
So now, I mean, if, if you're going to regionalize with them, this is what I want. I want the lowest working rate that you can possibly get so that it saves enough money for me to be able to send my son to whatever they said. Yeah, that's that's, what I, yeah, I mean, so, that's, that's part of what's going to happen is we're going to do the best we can to come up with a fair and equitable cost to the taxpayer for quality education. And that's the work ahead of us. Yeah, I mean, that, but the comparable is, is quality. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the Highlands school system. It's just small. And, and it limits on with the size alone and then the projected declining enrollment through 2029 that it's going to continue to decline in enrollment is concerning to us, right? That we're going to enter into a situation where there's schools with decline, declining enrollment. It just seems, you know, like there has to be a way out. Because we could enter into a situation that where they just have, I can't believe it hasn't closed. When you look at all these numbers, I cannot believe that school is open. So, to go into that seems a little crazy to me too. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else with comments? Questions, anybody? Anybody online when we heard tonight? I'm sure. My name's Eric. I have a very young child in town. One of the reasons why I'm here was because of the school system we're currently a part of. Um, Eric. Thank you. Um, and trust me, I can appreciate we're in a shitty situation and we don't want to move into another one. So like, I acknowledge that and I appreciate the idea of looking at these alternatives. Um, we mentioned declining enrollment, we mentioned overcapacity in some of the schools. I mean, is the idea that we would have the schools staffed appropriately to handle children in the middle school through fifth grade, or is the idea that fifth graders would be, or sixth grade, whichever grade would be going into the high school So when we did our study, we did not assume that the sixth grade was going to the high school. Our demographer said even without doing that, they would be moving for the Seabright kids in either of the elementary schools. And when we do these studies consistently, we assume the same student-teacher ratio we maintain. So we don't tinker with that, right? Because the school district could increase or decrease class sizes whenever it wants. The idea is what will be the impact of adding a district or taking a district out. So there was no assumption made about moving sixth graders, and there was no assumption made about changing student-teacher ratio in order to fit the Seabright kids. So would we write in somewhere that the school would have to make accommodations in order to take fifth graders and keep them with their peers from kindergarten through fifth grade? Because again, having a very young child, I would not feel comfortable with a sixth grader being around nine through 12 graders on the same campus. That would be extremely concerning to me. And something that we should be noting. Um, again, I, I know Christy had mentioned it, and it was just something that I had seen as well in one of the studies of saying, regionalized Highland, Atlantic Highlands, and Henry Hudson, and then look to incorporate Seabright. Has that been considered? What would be the, I guess, what would be the deterrent in doing that and understanding what the regionalization would look like and then how we could really fit in in a really productive and, and way that would really help our children? Uh, when we did our study, the assumption was that all of those things would happen at once. I don't know of any circumstance in state history where they've tried to regionalize the school district by two-step vote. In other words, people voting for this either happening or it's not. One town is going to participate, that's fine. But I'm not aware of any occasion when a regional school district was formed with the intention of having a separate vote 
Does that have to go to all the same voters a year later to, to change that? So the idea was educationally, financially, to structure it and do it all at once. So that's what our experts recommended. And at the end of the day, although I'm very familiar with the comments that, that the last two of you have mentioned, at the end of the day, the um, Kane study done by the school district, for the school districts did not recommend two separate votes. It said, we think it's easier to do it without Seabright because there could be an entanglement with Ocean Port and Shore Regional, but also said that there is no way those towns can provide for the same educational benefit or any reliable long-term savings without Seabright. So yeah, and you might just also have mm -hmm. the discussion with the other uh, the mayors, the 10 multiple mayors have all happened at once if it does happen. You have a referendum vote at the same time that they all do pass, that it would happen at one time. So we would get a phased, you know, uh, addition of Seabright over time. Yeah. But the idea of putting that in the study was because of the fear of litigation with Ocean and Ocean Park? What, for our study? No, for their study. Well, I, and I, not. Sure. Yes. The, I, I, I'm saying that because that's what they said in their study. They're yeah. concerned yeah. about that. Um, were we asked about it, and we weren't, were we asked about it, I would say, is there the possibility of that litigation? Sure, because mm -hmm. it, that's easy to, to see. Yeah. Do I think it's possible that that litigation will be successful? I do not think that's possible. Aaron, did you happen to go to the DOE brief? In no, that that this subject was talked about quite a bit, and it was raised as a potential concern, but not a likelihood. I just want yeah. to say that, and I was yeah. And I think the main reason why that's the case is this is extremely new with the state legislation. And I think in general, people are thinking of when it's been tried in the past and failed, but there was no legislation to protect against it. And that's why the legislation that was recently written and unanimously approved was focused on clearing the way for this to happen. So I think there's some old memories to remember that. Could it happen? Yes, the likelihood is greatly reduced by the fact that legislation is supportive of helping schools do what we're trying to do without litigation. And we, did, we discussed it last time in town hall. So, like, for instance, we did this three years ago, which we would have loved to have, you know, either renegotiated with them at the time or formed whatever. Then the litigation would have been highly likely, and we would have, we would have smoked quite possibly. Yeah. Right? I think the exact opposite would happen now. So, as Vito said earlier, yeah, they the Shore Regional wants to file a lawsuit against one town. You know, you can't prevent them from doing it, but everything I know from what our professional told us tonight, that is what the state legislation is about. That's why we're moving forward now and not seven years ago, when we want, or 10 years or 15 years ago. Yeah. We're doing it now because the state law allows us to. And we tried a few times and never got to that legislation point, so it fell flat because of that, because we didn't have the support of the state legislation. Are we susceptible to Monmouth Beach, West Long Branch, or? Uh on the deal town that participates for them coming after us? Because someone's going to have to pick up the bill, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the three plus million dollars that we're paying, Oceanport, I don't think, see is going to roll over and neither of the others are going to take on the cost. And the right. fact of the matter is, is that we're exorbitantly overpaying for our students. Right. And so that means that they're going to have to make up for that somewhere. And I can't imagine that all their taxpayers are going to be okay. So let me make a bold prediction. So remember, in the first five years, you're going to greatly overpay, even more than you're overpaying now as part of the transition costs, which someone who is cynical, not I, would call ransom. But if there is a legal challenge, this is my prediction. 
The legal challenge is led by Shore Regional. This part may fall you, so watch out. It's going to be led by Shore Regional, and you are going to pay a portion of the privilege of suing yourself. So my expectation is that if there is an action, it will be led by Shore, and that Shore will have the audacity to make sure that you are paying for the privilege of suing yourself in order to allow your taxpayers to decide what to do with your tax dollars and your students. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I guess my fear is how we're going to fund that when we're really not saving the money until six years into this deal. So if we're saving it at 20, again, first year we're going to be paying the full amount. It's going to be a 20% reduction between paying additional funding back into the school system services. Again, if that's going to cover AP academics resources, there will be some type of you know um, staffing and other adjustments that are going to have to be made. If we end up somewhere between 95.5 and 72.28, we're only saving about a million, million and a half dollars. I mean, where is this one? I guess it's, it's I just want to make sure that if we're really doing this, it's moving in the right direction of the education, but that we're actually going to save money doing it. Well, that's where the, that's where the difficult part comes between now or when the referendum, when, when, when after school board does their approval for the referendum, between then and August, when we have to get that question on the ballot, that's where the difficult part comes in, because that's where the negotiation comes in. Percentages, um, yeah. and that's what you know. The mayors and the board, of, the board of education are going to be working so diligently on over the next couple. And months. that's going to be in July. Is that right? Is that when that's, the whole that's the plan. That's the plan. Uh, you know, as far as your question about where's the money coming from, if there are legal battles. So when we we did this one time uh, and uh, fighting a regional structure where one town was basically subsidizing the other towns um, for uh, North Haley. And the mayor, who's still the mayor, Randy George, if you ever have a chance to talk to him, you should, was asked at a, at a public meeting about the legal fees associated with trying to do something about the disproportionate tax burden. And the question asked of him was, you know, what's your plan? When is it going to stop? There's a lot of legal fees here. And he said, I'll tell you what my plan is. We're going to sue until we can't sue anymore because this has to stop. And he was able to say when the funding formula was changed as a result of the Supreme Court order that uh, once the new funding formula was implemented, all of the legal and expert fees that had been paid for years were recouped in a few months. So I, what's that? More than a decade of litigation. Right. And so I can't possibly tell you, I don't see Joe Veruni in terms of what, what's going to happen in the next few months and, and the things uh, associated with it. But I am confident that folks in this room have sat there and talked about things like whether or not to spend you know $20,000 to refurbish tennis courts or the sort of things that local officials have to do with all the time. If this initiative is successful, um, this community is destined to save over a million dollars a year. How much more? We don't know because the formula has not been negotiated. There is no way that the legal and expert fees are going to approach a million dollars, much less a million dollars a year. So there are many reasons to support this, and where I apparent, there might be reasons to be concerned about it. But the idea that this community won't come out ahead should not, respectfully, should not be on the list of concerns. And I can say that only because this community has been taken advantage of for decades 
and the costs are extraordinary. No one would put up with this in any business relationship or normal relationship. So the opportunity for savings comes only because you've been mistreated and taken advantage of for so long. Whether it's the savings are sufficient enough to attract your support is a decision for you to make, not for me. But in terms of my experience, I am confident that this community is going to come out way ahead. Well, I think the idea is that there's going to have to be enough, though, to support building out a school system that's comparable to what our kids are used to going to. And, and, and what is the cost of that? And I don't think anyone can answer that. And at $200,000 a year for the next five years, I don't, I don't see us getting there. But again, I'm not an educational expert. <laughs> Just one more question I have, because I've heard a lot of comments about it, is the idea that we committed to a certain amount of spending or funding to ocean for whatever the school building out the school or whatever that's required and again I understand it's not a negotiation on a per pupil basis right we commit to giving three million dollars to this initiative are we not legally obligated to fulfill on that not according to your state legislature and is that that's at the end of the five years or that's at the end of the first full year well, the transition year. Well, transition. Your paying transitional support each year was down over five years, over the sixth year. And so all that transitional support, you think some of that is going to be going toward all the operational functions and debt service that the, the regions have, or the ocean port and the region so, so that piece, you are paying, but you hit the sixth year, there's no more financial obligation. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say this, because if, if we had made this bet, I would have lost and get me the money back that I, that I won earlier. Um, but the, um, one of the questions that we often get in certain events like this is, well, what about the money we've already paid? Right? We sort of help them refurbish or build whatever they refurbished or built, and now we're walking away from that. Shouldn't they have to pay us? And so the, the idea, of course, is that the legislature thought this through, right? And you don't know them, and they don't know you. The relationship is over. It's over. So I wasn't aware until tonight that there was um, discussion locally about this, well, we have to continue to pay for a referendum to a, a school our kids don't go to. But that's not what the well, I think is. that's why we're asking. I mean, listen, I get it. We're not going to ask for money back. But typically, if you'd engage in a contract, you have to fulfill on the payment, right? That, that's just why I want to understand if we're talking about, again, and I don't know what the number is, but say we owe $2 million left on it. Okay, we save a million and a half, our transition fees, 500,000 on the kids, it's a million on this. We're, st we're carrying over a lot of funds over the years. It just, it, again, I think it's good to understand that there's really a six year plan here before we're actually gonna see whatever the savings ends up coming to be, and then as we split it across our community, after we take out all the deductions, what it's really gonna look like, but the, the time is helpful, so. Yeah, to the extent that it seems, it may seem unfair, keep in mind that you're also giving up that asset so you compete for that asset. Oceanport is keeping it, yep. and they're going to keep it forever. So the fact that they may need to pay a little bit more now for that asset is theirs. Yeah, you're also making a point that the rest of the whole rest of have to be aware of. We've been in this mess for a long time. Uh, from a financial perspective, it's going to take a little time to get at it. Thank you. time I went to the Highlands Forum and so I wasn't able to make it to the Board of Ed Atlanta Highlands we had our chorus concert um, but I, I appreciate the opportunity so I just have 
a couple of questions in one. I, I used the word gut punch, I think, yes, at the Highlands meeting about how we pay such a premium. So to me, it's really frustrating that no one, not anyone in this room or anywhere, that the current school system that we're paying into has not given us a voice um, to hear what we have to say and even want to remotely meet us anywhere in between. And that is so unfortunate and it, it, it's upsetting. Um, so I get why everything that you guys have done, I appreciate it. Um, and we sh we're not getting through, you know, 300% more education with the money that we're spending. You might be paying for those IEP programs, you know, based on the amount of money that we're putting in there. You mentioned that. Oh, where did they get the money from? Um, so, you know, um, we, sh we need to look for alternative solutions. And so I appreciate everyone kind of putting all the effort to do so. Um, a question on, so the quantitative, we understand that we're overpaying, um, that the formula is right, we should be paying about $20,000 per student, right, going up. That's the average of what you're seeing, so we're paying vastly more for that when it comes to short. So that's quantitative, we know we're going to get savings, no question. There's a qualitative component, which is big school versus small school, right? So, and I think that's probably where a lot of people are coming from, and that's difficult to do. They're entirely different makeups. So when we look at the funding formula that we're going to put together between that 95 and the 76, when we land on that funding formula, if we decide that additional programs or enhancements need to be brought to the table that's going to elevate the educational opportunities for everyone, will it only come out of the funding formula or would we also at times need to say, hey, on an annual basis, we're going to need to get more money and we're going to have to put it in the budget and the taxpayers are going to have to pay for that. How is that, just so we know in the future, how would we is that the expectation? Not that it's going to happen every time, but should we think that we're only spending into the funding formula for school and education, or would there be times where we need to pay on top of that? I will turn to a former school business administrator for a response to that question. So it's a, it's a great question, and um, there's sort of a, a couple of responses to it. The, the primary one is you all have heard about the 2% you know, tax cap. Right? Right, so, right. So the regional is going to be now subject to that. So there are some limitations, but there are also ways around it. So um, there's now these three, the, the three entities are going to get together and they're going to share their fund balance, right? So now collectively their assets and liabilities are going to be jointly shared in this new region. So uh, so they may have fund balance. I, I, I think in the report we put some of their reserves. So they may have reserves that they could, um, there could be a separate question on the ballot as we're going to address it. Okay. So, so there is some recourse if um, you, know, you want to build up the educational program yeah. uh, and if all the communities are saving, then there's some opportunity to kind of reinvest that yeah. into, the, into the district. So um, th you know, that's, that's one of the things I think we highlighted in terms of the opportunities and challenges in the report of you know, some of the synergies that exist when you have three separate entities kind of come together. Yeah. And they're already doing a lot of shared services um, you know, among the, the, three the three districts, um, but this gives you another opportunity to kind of bring it all over one. You're going to have the same representation that you have now at the high school level, and you'll have representation at the elementary level for the first time yeah. in a generation. So, um, 
the questions that you're raising about not just how to invest money, but at least as far as some Seabright parents are concerned from whatever here, we want you to invest in, right? So there is going to be a person who serves as your representative, and you'll be able to go to those meetings like you do here, and that's the way you encourage change. And that leads into my next question. Right. So I was reading, and I might have gotten this wrong, but there are going to be nine board of ed members, potentially, meet up, and some of them are three-year terms, and a two-year term, and a one-year term. Can we, like, make sure Seabright gets that three-year term, you know? We kind of always wind up getting that one person and, like, that one year, but knowing there's there's more to be done, and there's a great opportunity. It would be wonderful if we could have, at least in my opinion, a representative who's standing, who's on there for the longest period of time. You know, we got a lot of change that's impacting our kids, um, and it would be great if we could kind of get that top tier position right there on the board of that. I don't know how that happens or how that works. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I for on a number of issues, um, you, know, you don't have an, an educational body representing interest, right? This is this is it. But um, in discussions with the county office, um, which is going to oversee sort of the smaller picture questions like that, I think that's a great tool. I mean, it's 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 only for the first term, right? It's a three-year term. Sure. It'll always come up, but if Seabright can always be on a three-year that person is connected to Seabright, I think that's, that's, a, I think that's a very to... reasonable thing to ask for. We don't control it, but we can ask for it. I think there's a good rationale, right? For the other folks, you're going to have at least one long-term representative, because there's going to be four people whose terms right. are staggered. Yeah. We, we shouldn't be staggered. We've been staggered enough. We've been staggered. Yeah. We've gotten a lot yeah. of... That's what you're saying. Know, that's what I'm saying. And I think there needs to be a change, and we need to have that presence so we can maintain the continuity. And I think create the vision. Everyone wants the best situation. We, we don't want to be overpaying for education and not getting the value out of it. We don't want to be the lowest. But if there's an opportunity for us as a community to come together, and when change happens, if the referendum goes out, you know, the community votes, whichever way the community votes, you know, setting ourselves up in the best situation to however that response comes, that's our obligation. So, it's just my thought. So, thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you for bringing um, that uh, in October, the, the next meeting, and having more people in the education standpoint. I think that'll be helpful for everyone. You're not going to thank us. You're the closest thing we have to Ruby, actually. So, thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, I just got a notice that the audio has gone out. Yeah, I don't know why. Is that what it was just a question on? It timed out. It, it didn't time out. But. <laughs> I don't know what it would be under there. So that's the safest one there. <laughs> Yeah, she's going to suck on it. What am I supposed to do? Someone wants to kick. Yeah. 
I, I understand, I understand. I'm just looking for the, the best option, right? Not, a, I feel like this is a band-aid right now, because like if we look at it, and this goes through, let's say in November, do the three school, the three towns, Oceanport, um, West Long Branch, and Monmouth Beach, and Seabright, have to the, unanimously to let us out of our contract? Or does this legislation get rid of that altogether? Gets rid of that altogether. Okay. So um, I, I, I guess I'm just thinking of kind of what's plan B or plan C. It could plan B be, since Henry Hudson is a dying school district based on their number of diminishing number of students going there, and they may not have enough room for us. They may, they may or may not. They can certainly build more room for us. Is there consideration of moving them into our district? Send them to shore, send them to Oceanport school systems. Yeah. Is that even a conversation? Because there is room, well, I think there's room there, because they, they, they've got small classes at Shore Regional. It's just a question, just I, thinking of other options. I can probably speak for myself and just my whatever. Uh, I feel that given their locality, uh, if that if this referendum doesn't go through and this regionalization doesn't happen and that school district were to fail, I can almost guarantee it would get absorbed by Middletown. Mm -hmm. um, just because of their location and I mean I can almost I can almost guarantee that nobody in either one of those towns wants to see that happen. This town included at least this at least this resident. You don't want to be part of Middletown. It's just enormous. It's bright school okay. system. Middle, Middletown takes up how many school how many towns? Several. It's almost like fifteen. Um, so, I mean, my, my father taught at Middletown, Middletown High School South, and yeah. just the fact, and I, so I know the size of the schools, and it is, in, you know, for them to absorb another two, two towns, will be nothing like that. And those kids will get lost, yeah. absolutely oh, I lost. I know. So, um, if, do we know the, so I know we wanted to get to like 20000 per kid, not 150000 60000 Do we know what the actual tax savings will be? Well, let me just be careful. Because 20000 is the state average. Nineteen eighty is what it's costing over there. I honestly think as both a taxpayer, as council member, I don't have any children in school. 20000 is not fair either the other Because we don't have an infrastructure, right? We don't have an education system. You don't get to play on a ball field if you don't contribute to the ball field, right? So I think there should be some fair and equitable change. And we're going to work very hard to make it as reasonable as we possibly can. But I think it would be unreasonable for us to expect it to act or lower the debt with the current system. I, I agree with that. Do we know what the number is? So we're all like... That's part of the 95.572. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's going to be, chances are it's going to be somewhere between those two. That's my guess as well. So without knowing that number, is it fair to say during the first five years of the transitional period that actual Seabright residents will be paying more in school tax than they're paying we'll, now? We'll know the number probably. But once we know, we're going to get 100% first. So no, 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 I think what we're saying is the, the formula will be known by July 15th. Okay. That formula will allow Steve and others to go off and do their thing. Okay. Then we, then we need a meeting before October 3rd. I'm thrilled about the October 3rd education. Well, 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 this, well, I mean, that's what we're going to be doing it. Yeah. I mean, regular public meetings, you know, our council meetings, yeah. like, as I said, Aaron's going to be talking about it. Like, once we, we're going to form it, assuming we do, it's going to be very public. We'll be able to we're going to be able to talk to We don't have another town hall meeting yeah. in six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Steve will, will run those numbers. They'll be pretty transparent. Are you going to say something? Yeah, just, just I thought I heard something. I just want to clarify that regardless of what the uh, 
percentages. Uh, so that's coming off the transitional payment. Right. So it's not that we're going to pay more because. So we won't have to say in year one pay 100% to Henry Hudson and 100% to Shore, and then year two, 80% to Shore. It's still 100% of the year. The, the amount that you paid to Shore and Oceanport in the prior year is the cap. Right, and but so that number's gonna go down, 180, 60, 40, 20, all the way down to zero. But at the, those same years, we're paying those transitional years, we're now paying this new number. So the new number gets subtracted from the-, the Got it, got yeah. it. Okay, so we'll be capped and it won't be more. Right. Okay, so, okay. So you're gonna publish the July 15th numbers.